Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right. Let's jump straight into it. Let's waste no time. Let's get straight down to business. Part one, of course, the review part of the show. Let's start with that. Right. We're going to start with a card that happened last Thursday. That's Thursday, the 28th of September. One fight, really, to mention. It happened over in the Montreal Casino in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. One fight to mention on the bill. Oscar Rivas, the uh, the former Olympian, 20 and 0, he moved to 21 and 0. He took on a man called Carl Davis Drummond. I don't really know too much about him, but his record was 31 and 4, so a good record there. And it was for the vacant NABF heavyweight title. Oscar Rivas actually knocked the man out in one round, so a very impressive win there for Oscar Rivas. He's actually a man, and um, I'm going to say this now. You know, there's other podcasts that have actually had on foreign-speaking fighters, like, for example, I think some other podcasts may have spoke to um, Rigondo. Now, we have completely decided to never interview a man that doesn't speak English because really and truly, there's no visuals to a podcast. It's just purely over the phone or whatever, you know, it's all audio. So what happens there is, if we're speaking to a man that doesn't speak English, we're just purely interviewing, a, you know, a translator, an interpreter. So, um, you know, we've never done that. And a man like Oscar Rivas, he's that kind of guy as well. We really, you know, we've had good chats with him on, 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 on Twitter and stuff like that. And he wants to come on the show, but we would need an interpreter. So we're not really interested in that. But, um, you know, I said to him the other day, I said, I cannot wait until you start speaking start speaking English and he basically turned around to me and said I cannot wait until you start speaking French because <laughs> I think he speaks a bit of French and Spanish so he cannot wait till I speak either of those languages so he's got a bit of a sense of humor there but we like Oscar Rivas here 21 and 0 now perfect record moving over now to China and there's just one fight to mention on this bill the reason why I bring it up if you listen last week you will know that the funny name fighter's name was Chokon Dong Chokon Dong picked up a unanimous decision win over six rounds against Another man who whose name I cannot pronounce at all, but I just wanted to really put it out there that Chokon Dong has extended his record now. Seven wins, two losses now in total. Very good stuff there from China. Moving over now to a fight that happened over in Thailand. Now, the reason why I bring this up, it's a man I've never heard of. His name is Tasana Sanpatan. I'm not quite sure even which... Uh, which which fight division um, you know he's fighting in? Which weight division he's fighting in? But his record is now forty three and zero. He's one of these Thai fighters that has just had millions and millions of fights at such a young age. He's only twenty three years old. And the bizarre thing about this, he picked up a knockout in round two on the weekend, and he actually took on an opponent who he's just listed as unknown. 
And that happens very rarely in boxing, so it's quite interesting to highlight that. A man who was 42-0 stepped in against someone who was completely unknown, probably a member of the crowd, and he extends his record there to 43-0, so that's interesting stuff there. He's obviously got a really long, undefeated record there, and he's only 23 years old, so that may be a name to watch out for there. Tasana Sanpatan, remember that one. Moving over now to Latvia, the Arena Riga in Riga, Latvia, obviously... Um, you know, part of the the cruiserweight sector of the World Boxing Super Series tournaments. I'm just going to touch on the undercard here. There wasn't too much really on. Um, former WBO cruiserweight world champion Christoph Glowacki returned to the ring. His record 27-1 and one going in. He took on Leonardo Damian Bruzzesi. Um Bruzzesi was 18-3. and three. It was, you know... He was overmatched a little bit, to be honest. As soon as it got made, I thought that Glowacki's actually a really good fighter. Glowacki got him out of there inside five rounds, so a TKO there in round five for Glowacki. His record now 28-1 and one inside 29 fights. Good fight to him. Um, now the main event, Maris Breedis 22-0 took on Mike Perez 22-2 with one draw. We never really knew how good Mike Perez was at cruiserweight. We saw him at heavyweight. He was pretty good. And then he came down to cruiserweight and he had a fight that lasted about 10 or 15 seconds. Um, obviously the WBC World Cruiserweight title was on the line as well. I don't know. For me, it was it was strange because I was watching the the boxing that was on Sky Sports, and then when this fight was beginning, it was coming to the main event on Sky Sports. So I decided to completely turn the channel over from the whole Sky Sports card. So I watched it all up until the main event, and then I flicked over to um, to the World Boxing Super Series card because I was saying to everybody, this fight's the real fight. Forget about. Um, you know, Stewie Hall and, and, and Paul Butler's rematch. I didn't think that was going to be a very interesting fight. And to be honest, I still haven't watched that fight. I was flicking back and forth and um, I saw it went to points that one. But anyway, this fight here, Maris Breedis. To be honest, Ayaz, I know that you watched it as well. I wasn't really impressed with Breedis. He looked a little bit one-dimensional. I must also throw in there that the referee of this fight was absolutely terrible. He, he really had a shocker, in my honest opinion. Kept telling off Perez. Perez felt like he was fighting two men in there. Um, you know... I don't know. I wasn't really impressed by Breedis, and I've been I've been quite high on him before. Um, I mean, this fight we we didn't even give a prediction last week, guys. We we both bottled it a little bit and sat on the fence because we really weren't sure which kind of version of Perez would turn up, and we weren't too sure which Breedis, I suppose, would show up with with a tough Cuban. We'd never seen that, so. It was kind of unknown, but the fight that I thought was going to be very intriguing, very interesting, very exciting throughout, especially with two men that can also punch hard, it just didn't seem to be that at all. It was very lacklustre, and um, it was quite hard to watch, actually. It was very boring, a real um, a, a real, a real bad fight, in my honest opinion, not, not much action, and I think that really and truly that's been... The worst fight by a long, long way in this World Boxing Super Series tournament, cruiserweight and super middleweight. What did you make of it, Ayaz? I think it was a very good fight. Obviously, we know Bradis won the fight, yeah? Um, I personally think now now that Bradis is... Is, it, is he the final now? So he's no, he's into the semis now. He takes on Usyk in the next round. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I apologise. Yeah. So, he's got to the semi-finals and uh, he's fighting Alexander Usyk. Now, let me tell you something. Bradis is a good, uh, very good fight, yes? He's WBC cruiserweight champion. But in my opinion, you're fighting Usyk, like one of the best fighters in this planet, and in my opinion, the best cruiser, uh, best fight in the cruiserweight division. 
if I'm going to go for a win, I'm going to have to go with a Usyk stoppage. I've got a feeling Usyk will stop uh, Bredis. Okay, we will talk about that fight in more detail, obviously, when there's a date set for it. But I'm going to try and hold you to that, I, I as because I actually think that Usyk will probably beat him on points. So I'm going to try to remember that you picked a knockout here. Um, that's if you, if you don't change your mind from now till then. Um, you know, it just wasn't very... Very spectacular, really. Um, you know, Breedis was trying to kind of fight at medium range. Didn't really like it up close. Every time Mike Perez got up close, the referee would, would intervene. You know, I think I think Perez... Didn't Perez have a point taken off, if I'm not mistaken? Something like that. You know, it, it, it was just bad referee, and it was just a boring fight. I think the two styles didn't really match up well. You know, Perez is very awkward. Let's not criticise Breedis too much, but... Um, it wasn't very eye-catching, but nonetheless, he gets the win, and that's all what's important. He now moves to 23-0, and Bradis, perfect record. And, you know, this, this next round against Usyk, that definitely will be a fight that I think will be very good to watch. And for me, I think Usyk wins out on points. But moving over now to Sweden, one fight to mention over there. A man called Anthony Yidget, that's the man that took on our very own Lenny Dawes and beat him pretty easily. Yidget moved to 20 wins. He's, of course, got one draw. He picked up a win this time against Sandor Martin, whose record was 29-1. and one. He was actually a good fighter. And Yijit successfully defends his EBU European Super Lightweight title there. Moving over now to the Borough Hall in Hartlepool County, Durham, United Kingdom. One fight to mention on this bill, also for the EBU uh, European Super Bantamweight title this time, though. Abigail Medina came over here. His record 17 and 3 with two draws going in. He took on Martin Ward, 25 and 3 with one draw. Ward was knocked down twice in that second round, and it was real brutal stuff. Abigail Medina picked up the TKO in round two, and I haven't actually seen it, but, but from what I've been told, it was a really, really brutal knockout, and, you know, everybody ringside was very worried about the health of Martin Ward, but, you know, Eventually, he did get up off the canvas, and um, you know it was good to see him get back to his feet there. But yeah, Abigail Medina with a bit of a statement there. His record now eighteen and three, two draws as well, and also Martin Ward now twenty-five and four with one draw. That's it for that one. Though moving over now to the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. Couple fights to mention on this bill. We're going to start with Natasha Jonas. She took on Bohanna Libazuska, whose record was 5-24. and 24. It was a knockout in the fourth and final round there for Natasha Jonas, so her record now 2-0, and 0, a perfect one there. Um, I didn't see the fight. I don't even think they, they... They didn't show any of it, I don't think, on the Sky card as well, which is quite surprising, really. Also on that bill, Derek Chisora, 26-7. and 7, His first fight with Matchroom Sports took on a man called Robert Filopovich, whose record was 4-2. and two. Um... Filopovic actually had a point deducted as well for holding. It was only a six-rounder. Um, I did say this. I did say this on last week's show. I thought that Derek Chisora was going to probably knock the guy out and look spectacular doing so. And then everybody would kind of say, oh, this is Derek Chisora 2.0. It's going to be great when he fights for the European title and, you know, when he fights Dillian White again or something like that. But surprisingly... And I know that Chisora's got a bit of a boring style at times when he's when he's not in there with a uh, you know with a guy that kind of brings it to him because if if he's got a guy that brings it to him comes at him then it can be quite exciting but if he's got a man who's going to just sort of box on the back foot it's quite quite a bore fest really that's just the way Chisora's style is and um, 
Yeah, he actually knocked the man out in round five of six, so a good knockout win for Chisora there. His record now 27-7, and seven, but they didn't show any of it on the Sky Sports card. I thought they could at least show him knocking the guy out if it was impressive. Again, there's no footage of it, so maybe the referee just jumped in and it was one of those dodgy stoppages. But yeah, if he completely blitzed him, I think they'd have probably shown some kind of clip of that and had everybody like, ooh, that looks good. But yeah, that's it for that one. Moving up the bill now, Anthony Fowler, he moved to 3 and he actually knocked out Jay Byrne. Jay Byrne, who'd previously shared the ring with Felix Cash, and I think it was Joe Cool. No, it wasn't Joe Cool, then it was Josh Kelly and Felix Cash. And both of those guys fouled to stop him but they managed to pick up the win ultimately. Anthony Fowler made a bit of a statement here. He stopped him inside four rounds. Um, Jay Byrne was down twice in that fourth round. It was scheduled for six. Didn't need those extra rounds. Really impressive there from Anthony Fowler. He's definitely been working on his power with the guru, Dave Caldwell. Also on that bill, Scott Fitzgerald picked up a TKO in round five against Bradley Price. That's a big step up for Scott Fitzgerald there, so he looked good doing that, and that's an impressive name for his resume in just under eight fights there. Also on the bill, Tom Farrell, 13-0, and 0, took on O'Hara Davies, 15-1. Obviously, O'Hara, we've got to give him a bit of credit, whether we like him or not. He stepped in there with another unbeaten man right on the back of his loss, and his very disappointing loss, and he'll admit that himself to Josh Taylor. Um, O'Hara just absolutely blitzed Tom Farrell. As soon as he was letting his hands go in combinations, Tom Farrell couldn't deal with it. Um, you know, the big right hand, the big right hand coming coming from a bit of a distance with those long arms of O'Hara when they were fighting um, at long range. O'Hara just couldn't miss with the right hand. Tom Farrell, he just couldn't take his shots. It was as simple as that. And O'Hara just looked so big in there next to Tom Farrell. He just looked a lot bigger than him physically, a lot stronger. He was the one pressing. He was the one on the front foot the whole fight. And O'Hara just completely overwhelmed him and stopped him inside six rounds, which is what he predicted he'd do as well in the press conference. So credit to O'Hara there. Again, if we like him or not, you've got to give him credit. You know, he showed a bit of character there, especially in his opponent's backyard in the fiery Merseyside where they don't really like him too too much, I don't think. And also, the WBA International Super Lightweight title was on the line there, so O'Hara Davis picks that belt up. And to be honest, he actually showed some good sportsmanship after the fight. Um, you know, big credit again to Tom Farrell. I think his corner probably should have took him out the fight a little bit earlier, but it was what it was. His record now 13-1. and O'Hara Davis now 16-1. and Also on the bill, Sean Dodd. 14 and 2 with one draw took on Tom Stalker 12 and 2 with three draws this one was for the Commonwealth lightweight title that's Sean Dodd's belt um I want to just back up a tiny bit actually we went with some predictions last week, Ayaz, and I know that you predicted for the O'Hara Davies fight, you predicted a knockout for O'Hara Davies, so did I, and so did our listeners. So that one there, um, we all picked up a point there, so that was very, very good for all of us, and the scores uh, pretty much stayed the same in terms of who's in front by a point and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this fight here, this this Sean Dodd and Tom Stalker fight, I actually went with Stalker to win on points, um, the listeners went with Stalker to win on points as well. They agreed with me. And you, Ayaz, actually went with Sean Dodd. Sean Masha Dodd to win on points. So you gain a point there. Uh, very, very impressive prediction there from yourself, Ayaz. Um, you know, Tom Stalker was absolutely terrible. He really was. I think he's really considering... Um, you know, retiring after that fight by the looks of what he's been saying. And to be honest, I can't blame him. You know, it's, it's a real shame for him because obviously, you know, he was... 
you know, he was a good amateur, England captain and, and the rest of it, but as a pro, and I was looking at it, and I tweeted about it during the fight, he's in there against Sean Mashadod, who, let's be honest, he's a bit of a brawler who can't even punch. I'm not knocking him at all, you know, obviously he's got a bit of crack in his punches, but he's not a big puncher, he's a soft punching brawler, and Tom Stalker's the bigger man, the longer reach, the southpaw, with all the pedigree in the world as an amateur, and he just could not do anything, he was absolutely awful, Tom Stalker, and for me, I think I've seen enough of him, um, you know, it's just not worked out, it's one of those guys who's turned pro with a really promising career, and it's just gone awfully, awfully wrong, it couldn't have really gone worse for Tom Stalker, and you know, to lose to Sean Mashadod, where on earth do you go from here, but no, credit to Sean Dodd, his record now 15-2 and with one draw, Tom Stalker now 12-3 and with three draws, and I think that's probably it for him. Um, moving up the bill once again, Rocky Field in 24-1 and took on David Brophy, 19-1 and with one draw. Remember, we both said that these two men have took on two guys where they've stepped it up a little bit. Callum Smith knocked out Rocky Field in, and George Groves knocked out David Brophy. Brophy was coming off the really impressive win over Zach Dunn in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Commonwealth and the British super middleweight titles were both at stake. Um... Well, to be completely honest, I was shocked by this because I actually picked Rocky Fielding to win on points. Again, you guys went with Rocky Fielding to win on points, but this time our listeners actually predicted correctly there with a Fielding knockout. So very well done to our listeners there. Um, yeah, he just he just jumped all over him straight away. He hurt him in the first round early, and then he just went for it, you know, completely went for it. It was a little bit risky because initially I thought that David Brophy was actually doing really well covering up, and then... You know, he just couldn't get going, and once again, while kind of backpedaling and taking all these shots and, and parrying some of them and rolling some of them, he just got caught with another few good ones, and that was really it. He just didn't get a chance to get started. It was a little bit reminiscent of Callum Smith's win over Rocky Fielding, where he hurt him a little bit and then just jumped over him, and that was it. So... um yeah, that was uh, that was what it was there. So really, really, really impressive stuff there from Rocky Fielding. We know he knows how to finish a man. And he reminded some of those that kind of forgot a little bit right there on Saturday night. So Rocky Fielding now 25-1. and one. David Brophy 19-2 and two with one draw. Um, also on the bill, Paul Butler 24-1. and one, Took on Stewie Hall 21-5 and five with two draws. This is a fight that I missed because I said I was watching the Breedis and Perez fight. Um... Yeah, I didn't actually watch it at all, and I don't really want to watch it, to be honest. It was a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds for Paul Butler. Um, you know, it's, we, we knew that was going to happen anyway, to be completely honest. I predicted a Paul Butler win on points. So did I as, and so did our listeners. So we all knew it was going to happen, and that's the proof of it. And it just was what it was. You know, Stewie Hall just looked, from the little bits I did see, he just looked to be, you know, just getting beat to the punch, really. Time and time again, he just looks a little bit of an old man, but he's as tough as nails, isn't he? So credit to him for lasting the distance. I mean, credit to Butler, really. He gets his first win as a matchroom fighter, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the most impressive thing in the world from what I've seen. But that is all the fights that we predicted on. So Ayaz gains three 
points out of four, so he does really well there. Our listeners also gain three points out of four, and I gain two points out of four, so 50% success for me there. So the scores at the moment, the prediction league at the moment is I'm on five points. Ayers has caught me up. He's also on five points, and our listeners are on four, so it's very, very close. It just goes to show we all know what we're talking about. Even our listeners know what they're talking about. We know what we're talking about also. It is exciting. Right, that's it from the Echo Arena. Moving over now to the House of Blues in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, 25-2, and two, took on England's very own Nick Quigley, 15-2. and two. I actually watched this fight. Somebody tweeted about it saying, yeah, you know, you can watch this stream if you want to watch it here. And I clicked on it, started watching it, and as soon as the, the video started playing, literally the referee went, you know, both of you touch gloves. It was in the center of the ring before the fight, so I tuned in at the very you know, the perfect second, there was, I missed everything, all the build-up, it was just straight away fight time, um, to be honest, Spike started very quickly for me, he, he was starting a little bit too quick, um, you know, he landed some good shots in the first round, don't get me wrong, uh, I can't remember which shot it was now, but he, he, he hit Quigley with a really, really good shot, um, and, and seemed to buckle his legs a little bit, but again, he was a little bit careless and he got caught a few times himself. But ultimately, he just bludgeoned him, to be completely honest, over four rounds. And he picked up the TKO in round four. So very, very impressed there from Spike O'Sullivan. He wanted to look quite eye-catching on ESPN. And I think he did that um, really convincingly, really well. So Spike O'Sullivan now 26-2. and two, Nick Quigley 15-3. and three. Both men, I think, if I'm not mistaken, may have even gone to a bar after the fight. There was a picture of them both. Um, you know, arms in arms, both happy. That's what we like to see in boxing, proper gentleman sport. Um, moving over now to Sunday, there was just one fight I wanted to mention, really, at the Gentleman Fight Club Boxing House in Budapest, Hungary. I just really wanted to throw this name out there. Richard Barangi, that's the former opponent of Anthony Yard. He actually picked up a knockout in round two against a man called Victor Slazai. Uh, his record was 19 and 56, but yeah, Richard Barangi, his record now 19 and 2, so very, very happy for him, he took a bit of a pasting from Anthony Yard, but that's really it from the review, and we're done with that, it's now time to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the unbeaten middleweight prospect, Mr. Alantis Fox. Alantis, welcome to the show. Thank you, I appreciate you having me it's my pleasure, my friend. It's my pleasure. So in order to let our listeners know, um, those listeners that may not be too familiar with yourself, can you just tell us, Atlantis, how did you get into boxing in the very beginning? Well, I was playing some playing football and uh, basketball with some guys that were a little older than I was. Um, organized sports, of course. Organized sports, of course. And my, my dad, who... Is uh, the biggest fan of boxing I ever know. I found out that they were all going to a gym. Now, him being that he is, and being a fan of boxing he is, also put me in there. And I mean, that's all she looks after that. <laughs> and I want to ask you as well because I don't know, I don't know of it if, if if you had an extensive one or not at all. Did you have any kind of amateur career? I did. Uh, I had close to two hundred fights. My last uh, amateur oh, wow. tournament. Was the under nineteen? I won that, and um, I won the ringside world championship um, a couple times. But like I said, about two hundred amateur fights. 
Oh wow! Excuse me for not for not knowing that actually. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. So obviously you turned pro in 2010 at the age of 18. Now you are 25 here today. Your record at the moment 23 and 0 with one draw. You're also ranked 12th by the IBF and 9th by the WBO. I want to ask you also. Who is the best fighter that you've fought as a pro so far and also the best fighter that you've sparred with in the past? I think one of the best fighters I've ever sparred with would have to be um, Lamont Peterson. That was, uh, he, was one of my, uh, he was one of the first people to ever bring me into the pro boxing game. He showed me a lot of, a lot of tricks. He still, every now and then we, we get in there, he still shows me a lot of tricks. And um, this gives me, gives me more insight on what being a pro is. I guess the the best person I fought so far. I'm trying to think. I guess I, I guess you could say Patrick Day. He was undefeated. Frank Laws at the time was also undefeated. I can't take that from him. Yeah, you know, I guess those are some of the, some of the best guys. I fought. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um... Yeah, obviously uh, Lamont Peterson. You know, a, a big name, a man that's been around for for a long time now. Um, what I do want to ask you about as well, the, the thing that stands out to me most is obviously that you stand at six foot four, which is humongous for a middleweight. But even more right. crazy, even more crazy, I I knew of your brother's name, and I had no idea that he was actually your brother, and he's only half an inch shorter than <laughs> you, and he makes one forty. How's that possible? Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, we got a, we have a system, man. It's a, it's a major system, and it's not easy. I know I won't. I will never tell you that it's easy to make the cut. I wouldn't believe you it. if you told me it was easy. <laughs> right, but like I said, we do it, and we, you know, we don't complain about it, and we get the jobs done. It's I think my brother will be moving up soon too. Yeah, yeah, few weight divisions. <laughs> yeah, but um, obviously, getting on to getting on to what's next for you in your career, you'll be fighting on. October the 21st in New York against the former two-time junior middleweight world champion Demetrius Andrade. Now Demetrius is also undefeated like yourself. We've had him on this show as well before and in my opinion he's heavily underrated. I think he's a very very good fighter. What do you make of him as a fighter Alantis? I think he's also a really good fighter man. You know I think uh, you know he just had some bad business deals I guess but this isn't the best business deal for him at all, you know, being as though he's coming up in the weight class to fight me. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, I, like I said, I, I respect everything he's done, uh, you know, being the Olympian over in our country, even though he didn't, they didn't medal or anything. He, he, did, he, he did enough to beat all the other fighters to be the Olympian here. So I, I'm, not, I'm not taking anything from him at all. I'm not taking him lightly at all. And I know that you yourself have wanted a big fight for a long time. You've got what you wanted here. Would you say this is the biggest fight of your life? To date, of course. This is the biggest opportunity in my entire career thus far. And I plan on trying to make the best of it. And do you give Demetrius a lot of credit also, as you said there, to move up in weight, to take a fight like this against an undefeated guy, and not just not just your average middleweight in yourself, but also, you know, being as tall as what you are, do you give him a lot of credit moving up and taking on somebody like yourself? I definitely do. I definitely do give him a lot of credit. I'm, I'm not sure that this was his first choice at all, but, you know, like I said, you know, business is business, and uh, I guess they, they're, they're ready for him to prove himself. He does do a, a good amount of talking, you know, uh, 
wasn't allowed a good amount of talking at uh, junior middleweight. So I guess he's he's they they need him to prove himself at middleweight now. And obviously, we're not going to look past Andre the Toys. It's a really good fight. It's, it's a 50-50 fight, some may say. But as you're highly ranked in the WBO, obviously the UK, our very own middleweight champion, Billy Joe Saunders, have you have you mm-hmm. seen much of him? Do you rate him much? I did watch Billy Joe Saunders' last fight uh, against Woody Monroe. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty good fight. That was actually a pretty good fight. But, uh, you know, there's a reason he's the champion. And then, you know... There's always going to be if somebody goes and gets a belt, a major belt like the WBO, there's a reason he made it there. So I, I won't say I, I won't uh, say anything bad about about him, but I would love to fight him. Yeah, no, of course, of course. And also, I want to ask you about. Um, I, I think I read something where you've done some rounds sparring with Jarrett Hurd. Is that right? Oh yeah, a lot. I, I do a lot of rounds sparring with Jarrett Hurd. And how's that work for you guys? Uh, it's, it's really good. It's really good work. You can probably get people to pay to watch that work. Uh, for his, <laughs> when he won the IBF, I, I, I was basically his main source of sparring. So we, we put in a lot of good rounds together. And of course, he's got a really, really good fight coming up as well. Obviously, against um, oh yeah, against Austin Trout, former world champion. That's coming up this week. Is that, no, that's next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, next weekend. I apologize. How yeah, do you see weekend. that fight playing out? It's a really good fight. Really big step up. It is a really good. That's that's is a really big step up, and uh, this is gonna be a really good fight. I've, I've uh, had a chance to work with Austin Trout as well, and Austin Trout is Austin Trout is stronger than I think people give him credit for, and. Uh, he can. He's a hell of a boxer. He's definitely a hell of a boxer, you know. And we're surprised. He'll surprise a lot of people with his power. And I want to ask you this as well because I actually had no idea who you may have sparred with, and I've just basically talked about two guys. You've sparred both of those guys, obviously Hurd and Trout. You mentioned Peterson. Is there right. any other big names that you sparred with? I've had some work with Sean Porter. Okay. Um, I've had some work with, of course, Lamar's brother Anthony Peterson. Oh yeah, Dominic Wade. Okay, yeah, yeah, Golovkin's uh, former opponent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess I got to talk about some of the some of the up and coming prospects too. Uh, you you got to talk about Demetrius Ballard. I don't know yeah. if you know who that is. Yeah, Demetrius Ballard. Um, I, I, I the other day I got a chance to work with my younger brother, Michael Fox. You know, he's I, that's that's more hell of a fighter. So I I got to give him this credit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think about no, other other fights you, I might you, have. You've reeled off enough. If if any come if if any come in your head, you know you, you can you can certainly say it. Um, I, okay. I do want to ask you this as well, Alantis. I do want to ask you this. The middleweight division is a very very exciting division at the moment. I just wanted to kind of get your take on. Your favorite top five in the division, not including yourself, who would you say is the top five guys at middleweight? Tough question. All right. Uh, Number one has got to be out of Canelo or Triple G, surely. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Triple G being number one. Yep, yeah, I'd have to. I think I'll go with Triple that. G being number one. Uh, you know what? Laura bounces between one sixty and one fifty four. So if he was if he would be considered a middleweight, even though he's about to fight at junior middleweight, I would also consider him. I would consider him number one over Golovkin. Okay. Okay. And 
Danny Jacobs. Yeah. For sure. Then, uh, of course, you want to throw Canelo in there. I'm throwing Canelo in there, too. Yeah, Canelo, yeah. <laughs> sure, One he more. deserves it. So, what we got? We got Jacobs, Canelo, Golovkin. Golovkin. You got Lara in there. He kind of counts. What about Jamal Charlo? Yeah, he counts. Uh, no disrespect to the man, Lemieux. but I, I, don't, I don't think he. I don't, I don't think I, I will go. I will go with David Lemieux over over uh, Jamal Charlo. Jamal Charlo hasn't proven himself to me that I, he doesn't. He hasn't proven himself to be above me in the rankings. So I, I don't. Like I said, not to take anything from him. He's a hell of a fighter, but I don't feel he's better than I am. Now, that's a fair point. And another fight I want to throw at you now that you mentioned Danny Jacobs there. He's obviously taken on a young prospect. Um, a man who's in a similar kind of position as you, where he's been wanting a big fight for a long time. He's got it as well. Obviously, right. that man being Luis Arias. Do you see that as a close right. fight? Who do you favor in that one? I actually favor Danny Jacobs, man. I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like Luis Arias might get hit too much. And Danny Jacobs has some, some good power. So... This is that. I mean, it, it may be a it may be a really good fight, you know. And uh, did did you happen to see? Did you happen to see their press conference? Um, I saw clips of it. It's been a busy week. <laughs> oh my god, the, the the press conference was ridiculous. Like I, I saw, I saw Danny Jacobs kind of trying to play it cool, but Luis Arias kind of exploded. Like man, like, you've been down. I can't believe this. Third, I'm gonna knock this guy out, bro. I'm like man, you know. That's, that's, this is a big. This is a bit much to just bite off, and don't bite off more than you can chew. No, 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 of course not. Not in not in this boxing game. And um, yeah. finally, finally, I just want to give you uh, two more questions. I want to I want to throw at you now. I'm I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Sometimes I warn people of okay. this question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I like to ask this to all the guys we speak to from overseas. Who would you say is your favorite UK fighter? And it can be from any era. It can be currently, or it can be somebody who's retired years and years ago. Prince Nassim. Prince Nassim. Yep. That's the most popular answer. So, uh, yeah, that's... It is, I, it I'm, is. I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, no, it is. I, I speak to so many people, and that's that's always the name that they say. Any reason in particular? Just the flashy style, how good he I really mean, is? I just, uh, yeah, the flashy style. The, I mean, he wasn't really... He was never technically sound at all. He just possessed... <laughs> Good power and an awkward style that gave everyone, and, and except for Barrera, problems. Yeah, no, you, you, you're spot on there. You're spot on there. But no, yeah, definitely one of our best fighters ever. And also, I wanna I wanna throw this one at you. You you can you can answer if you want to. If you don't want to, that's that's no problem. I wanted to get your prediction for your fight. How do you see yourself coming out victorious October twenty first? I'll definitely be. Boxing my ass off, you know that's 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 the that's the goal. I mean, if he wants to see some shots, but I think he will. I definitely think he'll run into some shots. Then uh, that could be that could be a, a, make it a short night. So I'm, I'm there to box for as long as the fight lasts. You know, I mean, we're, we're, if, if I get a knockout, yeah, that's great. But I'm in shape enough to go to 12 rounds, but asking for. And at the end of the at the end of the night, if it's if it if it isn't cut short, it'll be a unanimous decision my way. And anything now, I've run out of questions now, anything now that you want to tell our listeners at all before you go? I just want you to know that I appreciate, the, I appreciate you calling me and giving me some exposure over in the UK. And I want you all to follow me at, at Slyzafox on Instagram and Twitter. That's S-L-Y-A-Z-A 
F-O-X. Again, that's S-L-Y-A-Z-A-F-O-X. Man, we're gonna we're gonna chronicle the journey a little bit, man. I hope I hope you know this opportunity can be this this opportunity can be a dream fulfilled. Absolutely, absolutely. Just once again, everybody listening now, please uh, go go over to Twitter, go over to Instagram and follow this man, a true uh, exciting prospect, an undefeated prospect, a man who will be a big name, certainly down the line in, in, in the very near future. Okay, listen, Atlantis, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you this week. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Not Best of luck. Best of Thank luck for you. the 21st. And no doubt we'll catch up again afterwards, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks for my podcast too. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as always, we go over to Ayers with the latest boxing news roundup worldwide. Ayers. Right. David Hay versus Tony Bellew. We're facing a rematch on December 17th at the O2 Arena. Yes, it's weird because it's going to be on a Sunday. But um, the first fight obviously ended slightly controversially um, with the injury that David Hay picked up. We never really knew what was going to actually happen in those late rounds if the injury didn't happen. So there's a bit of intrigue there. And that's carried over to this rematch. For me, Tony Bell, you probably had some other options, but I don't think they would have brought in the same kind of money as this. And David Hay had no options whatsoever. He needs to get over this stumbling block to be able to be in those big heavyweight fights and to be able to be in with a legitimate chance of perhaps you know, getting a Joshua fight or something like that. So, yeah, David Hay needed it a lot more than Bellew did, but Bellew really hung out for this whole time while David Hay was, you know, doing all these kinds of um, therapy and that to get his to get his ankle or his Achilles, I should say, back to what it was. So, um, yeah, Tony Bellew's happily waited for him and been out the ring waiting for this payday. And here it is. So, yeah, I'll be tuning into it. It's... You know, I suppose it's going to be a good fight again. I, I hope so. And may the the best man win with no injuries this time. Hopefully, we see a proper winner in a real, um, you know, a real old fashioned boxing match that uh, you know sees sees the best man win. That's what we want to see ultimately. Right. Tyson Fury will not apply for a new British boxing license. Yes, he tweeted yesterday about um, you know he's he's angry with the British boxing board of control. I don't think. Uh, you can blame him, really. I think they've been very unfair towards him. But again, we don't know the full story of all these drug tests and stuff like that and all the rumours that go around. Um, you know, I, I, I said it ages ago. He could easily apply for a boxing licence, you know, like a Luxembourg boxing licence, just like David Hay and Derek Chisora applied for when they were banned from the Boxing Border Control after their brawl in Germany that time after the Vitali Klitschko and Derek Chisora fight. So, um... Yeah, you know, it's, it's not really surprising. It's not really big news. Some people say, oh, he's definitely retired from boxing because he can't get a British license. He's decided to retire. That's complete nonsense, you know. I think it was the Sun that were tweeting about that. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, um, you know, he's, he's not retired. I think he'll probably try and get a license elsewhere and they'll be very, very happy to oblige and uh, and they'll give him a license and they'll be happy that he's boxing under their license. So yeah, other, other, other you know, other sanctioning bodies... That can that can give out licenses will all be frothing at the mouth for that one. They they'll they'll definitely want Tyson under their books. Carl Frampton will face a Mexican Horacio Garcia in his comeback fight. 
Yes, it's not really the fight that we all wanted to see. I think really and truly it's a little bit disappointing. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a comeback fight. He's been out the ring for quite a while. Um, you know, it's his first fight with Frank Warren. But for me, I'm not really loving the fight too much. And the fans online, every single fan's comment that I read when they'd announced a fight, every single comment was a bad one, a negative one. So, yeah, we're not really impressed with it in all honesty. But it is what it is. I, I'm a big fan of... Um, of Carl Frampton and I like the way Frank Warren's doing business so uh, we'll have to wait and see I'm I'm just I'm hoping it's not going to be a pay-per-view card I think they'll do bad numbers if it does become one Lamont Peterson has relinquished his WBA belt yes obviously he was a belt holder at 147 I'm not quite sure his reasons behind that um but no, it opens up the doors for a lot of the guys at 147. For example, people like Sam Eggington, for example. You know, I think he was fancy in that fight sometime next year. But now that he's, um, you know, given up the belt, then, you know, it opens up doors for people like that, people on that fringe kind of level. So, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. And we'll have to wait to see what unfolds up with that one. Luis Ortiz has failed a drugs test. Yes, it's not quite clear what's going to be happening but he was scheduled to take on Deontay Wilder in November that was going to be a fantastic fight I feel very sorry for Wilder I think this is the second um yeah second or third time that this has happened to him so I feel very sorry for him um you know every time he goes to get a big fight this kind of thing happens so I'm very gutted for him but I know he still wants to fight the guy but again that's obviously illegal in, in, in the boxing world and we'll have to wait to see what happens but I'm hoping it all gets cleared up because Luis Ortiz has basically turned around and said yeah well it was some kind of drug that was in something that I've been prescribed for high blood pressure and he seems to to have tried to prove that I think he uploaded a picture of his um, you know his medicine that he's been taking for high blood pressure so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, it was it was looking like a really good undercard as well. Another heavyweight fight on there was Stiverne versus versus um, versus Dominic Brazil. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But hopefully it gets cleared up soon because we're not that we're not that far away from it now. The WBC have ordered a rematch between Golovkin and Canelo. Yes, obviously the WBC are not Canelo's um, best of friends. Canelo, I don't think, is going to take any notice of what they want at all. And I think the fight is going to probably happen anyway. I think there probably will be a rematch, to be honest, because both men are going to earn big money in it. And I don't think the WBC, I don't really know why they've done it, to be honest, but I don't think anybody's going to listen to them. If they wanted the rematch originally, then this won't change anything. And if they didn't want the rematch, I don't think this is going to push either man to, to sign for it. If they if they want it, they'll have it. If they if they don't, then they won't. But I don't think this really changes anything. It's just, it's just a piece of, it's fake news. That's what I call it. <laughs> Gerald Miller will face Marius Wack. Yes, Big Baby Miller to be fighting on a big undercard that I'm sure you're going to tell us about the main event in a second, Ayers. But yeah, that's a good fight for Big Baby Miller. Wack's a very, very tough guy, got a very good chin as well. And that's a very, very hard fight. And stylistically, it's not the most attractive sounding fight either. I don't think that's going to be a barn burner. I think that's a really stern test there for Jarrell Miller, Big Baby Miller. And, um, yeah, it's an intriguing one. That's all I can say. But, no, I'm looking forward to it. I like Big Baby. He's got a big personality. I'd like to see him face Dillian White. But, um, yeah, I think that fight may even happen down the line. But, no, this is a decent fight. Tell us about the main event of that card, though, Ayers. And, finally, Danny Jacobs will face uh, Lewis Cuba Arias in the main event. 
Yeah, Luis Arias, a man that's been on this show a couple of times, good friend of the show. And of course, Daniel Jacobs in his first fight underneath Eddie Hearns, Matchroom Sports USA. Um, you know, it's a good fight. It's a really good fight. Luis Arias has been asking for a big name for a long, long time. I think when he was last on the show, I think he actually said to me, I need a big name fighter now. And he gets it here. The only question is, is it too big of a name? Because we know that Danny Jacobs is a phenomenal fighter. And, you know, he can give anybody in the world some real trouble. And if not, he can probably knock him out. Um, we'll have to wait and see because Lewis Arias has been looking really good lately as well. So it's a brilliant, brilliant step up for Arias. And both men can punch. So I'm expecting it to be a bit of an early night in both of those fights, perhaps. That's it for the news. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ayaz. Right, moving over now to the preview. And we're going to start with a fight happening later today in... America. It's at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. One fight to mention. Friend of the show, actually, Cassius Cheney. His record ten and zero. He takes on a man called John Bolden, whose record is eight and eleven with one draw. Cassius Cheney still building up his resume there. Still undefeated. Good friend of the show. Good fighter. Him. He's a he's a heavyweight prospect to look out for. Moving over now to the Meadowbank Sports Centre in Edinburgh, Scotland, United Kingdom. Couple fights to mention on this bill. Gary Cornish, twenty four and one, takes on Sam Sexton, twenty three and three. That one's for the British heavyweight title. The title that everybody's wanted to get a piece of. You know, Ian Lewison wanted it for a while. I think Joe Joyce was probably eyeing it up. I think that um, Dave Allen wanted it for a while. You know, everybody wants it, and it's going to be contested between these two guys. Should be a good fight, though. Um, yeah, it's quite a good one, that one, to be a, to be completely honest. Also on the bill, Stephen Simmons, 17-2. and two, the, the Scottish cruiserweight takes on Simon Barkley, 9-1. and one. That should be a good fight as well. Simon Barkley, a tad underrated. That one's for the vacant IBF East and West Europe cruiserweight title. Moving over now to Germany, Chris Eubank Jr., 25-1, and one, takes on Avni Yildirim, 16-0. The press conference was very fiery this week. It's for the IBO World Super Middleweight title, of course. That is Chris Eubanks' belt. Um, firstly, Ayaz, I want to I want to go over to you on this one. Of course, it's another fight in the World Boxing Super Series tournament. This time, it is at the super middleweight division. Um, how do you see this one unfolding, Chris Eubank Jr. versus Avni Yildirim? I've also asked the, the Twitter listeners and followers what they think, so we're going to give our predictions on this one as well. I personally reckon Chris Eubank is going to stop him. Obviously, we've, got, we've seen Chris Eubank fight... Uh, um, Arthur Abraham, his his speed, it's always with Chris Eubank. He's got a very fast hand, and it's the uppercut that he always lands. So I got a feeling Chris Eubank is going to stop him within the first eight rounds. So I got Chris Eubank, in my opinion, will win this fight. Okay, bold prediction. I'm going to actually agree with you, Ayers. I'm going to go with a Eubank knockout as well. Um, we've actually asked a poll on Twitter, of course, and our listeners have gone with Eubank to win on points. I think it's a wise choice to go with him to win on points, to be honest, because I don't really know if his power ever was fantastic at world level, especially, um, you know, going up to super middleweight. And this man here has never lost. He's never been stopped, obviously. So, you know, we're, we're going a bit bold there, Ayaz. But I am in agreement with you, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be good to see Eubank back in action. Of course, it always is. He always brings a good fight to the table. Um, I'm interested to see what Yildirim's like. Some people have actually picked Yildirim to go on to win the whole tournament. So, um, yeah, it, it should be interesting to see what happens there. But no, I'm looking forward to it. But unfortunately, it's on the ITV pay-per-view. I think you've got to pay £10 to watch it or something. So... Yeah, not very happy about that. May have to find a stream, if I'm completely honest. Hope nobody's listening to that from the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, moving over now to 
In fact, I'm going to mention a couple of fights on the undercard, actually. Stefan Hartel's on the bill. His record 14 and 0. He's a really good prospect. He's in a 10 rounder against Viktor Polyakov, who's 13 and 1 with one draw. That should be a really good fight there. Hartel's pretty good. Firat Arslan's also on the bill as well. His record 40 and 8 with two draws. He takes on Mauricio Barragan, whose record 16 and 2. That's a 10 rounder there. Also, Zach Parker, he's in an 8 rounder. He just literally a few weeks ago knocked out Luke Blackledge in a round so it's going to be interesting to see what he's like here he's in against a man who's got a record of nine and six so he shouldn't be offering too much but Zach Parker all of a sudden has sprung into one of my most favorite prospects to watch following that good win there that's it from Germany. I can't even pronounce that venue at all. It's in Stuttgart. That's all I can tell you. Moving over now to the Manchester Arena in Lancashire, United Kingdom. I'm going to start with the undercard. Marcus Morrison, 14-2. and two. He steps in against Marius Biskupsi whose record is 23 and 45 with two draws. Marcus Morrison, you know, he was looking really good at one point, then all of a sudden he racked up two losses in a row. So, yeah, hopefully he picks up a win here, to be honest. He's under the tutelage of Joe Gallagher. Also on the bill, Hosea Burton, a man that's also with Joe Gallagher. He's returning to the ring. Um, I think it's the maybe the first fight after the Buglioni one. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I could be wrong there. His record, 19-1. and one. I really do like Jose Burton, though. I think he's very good, very underrated as well. I would like to see him take on Anthony Yard, in all honesty. He's in a six-rounder against a man called Christoph Damendi, whose record's 10-3 and three with two draws. Not a great undercard, this one. Gavin McDonald's back in the ring as well. His record, 17-1 and one with two draws. He's in a six-rounder against Jay Carney, whose record is 5-3 and three with two draws. Should be a relatively easy win there for Gavin McDonald. Scott Carney. Cardell's also on the bill. His record 21 and 1 with one draw. His opponent's yet to be announced. That's a six rounder there. Connor Ben's on the bill as well. His record 8 and 0. He takes on Nathan Clark, who's 5 and 1 with one draw over six rounds. Connor Ben, he's really. Um, you know, he's really impressed me. He's got a lot better recently. But what I will say is um, when you look down Connor Ben's resume, he's fought guys who. Some of them have had winning records, don't get me wrong. He hasn't fought these journeymen with like 170 losses and stuff. But everyone he's, he's fought, they've all had like five fights max. Whether that's four losses and a draw, however you want to mix it around. They've all had like five or six pro fights. They're all really, really inexperienced. And I'm wondering what that's about. I don't know if it's because Conor Ben didn't have a great amateur career. I don't even know anything about his amateur career. But... Um, yeah, I think that's quite quite interesting there. So he takes on a man who's had less fights than him once again. Robbie Barrett's also on the bill. His record 15-2 and two with one draw. He puts his British lightweight title on the line here. Of course, he... He took that title away from a man on the undercard that we just mentioned, Scott Cardle. Uh, he takes on Lewis Ritson, though. Lewis Ritson, 12-0, perfect record, 12-round fight, that one. That should be interesting. I'd like to see what happens there. Sam Eggington also on this bill. His record, 21-3. He fights Mohamed Mamoun, who's 18-2, and, and it's for the EBU welterweight title. Uh, that's... Sam Eggington's belt, of course, he won that from Seferino Rodriguez in his last fight. Brutal knockout, I remember that one. Sam Eggington just looking better and better every fight, really. But he's in there with a guy here, Mohamed Mamoun. I don't know if, if you know too much about him, I'm guessing probably not. How do we see this fight unfolding, Sam Eggington and Mamoun? I think he's 18-2. and two. I don't think he's been stopped in the two losses, though, if I'm not mistaken, without trying to go and check again. 
I'll tell you one thing. Sam Eggington, he's won British Young Fighter of the Year recently, right? He's that kid, Sam Eggington. He's improving fight after fight. We've seen his last two fights. He stopped Paulie Malignaggi. I thought personally, I remember saying that I thought I personally thought Paulie Malignaggi would have beaten him. He proved me wrong. He fought Frankie Gavin before that. Stopped Frankie Gavin. Sam Eggington is one fighter that keeps on improving day by day. And I got a feeling he's going to stop this fight and I got a feeling he's going to have a shot at world title soon. And in my opinion, I reckon he's going to fight a uh, fighter, Jeff Horn. And I got a feeling that's going to happen. And this fight on Saturday, Sam Megginton, I got a feeling he's going to stop him. I don't know, it's hard because you know that obviously, um, you know, Bradley Skeets around that Jeff Horn fight, so is Gary Corcoran. And obviously Sam Megginton's fighting now, so he probably won't be fighting again until next year, especially... Um, you know, stepping up to world level. So I don't see that one happening. You know, maybe it happens down the line if Jeff Horn actually beats one of these guys that I mentioned there and he's still the champion, which I don't know if he will. Um, It's all a bit mad at the minute. Um, We've asked, again, we've asked our listeners what they think and a a whopping 89% of them have gone with Eggington to win by knockout. So I'm going to go with Eggington on points, actually. And Ayers, of course, goes with Eggington by knockout there as well. Moving up to the main event on this one. Again, people are saying this is a great fight. It, it's kind of annoying because I think this is a terrible... I don't. Let me, let me choose my words carefully here. It's a good fight because both of them have, especially Ricky Burns, has deteriorated so badly that it's actually viewed as... Not even a 50-50 fight, but actually some people think Anthony Crawler is going to win this fight. Um, you know, he's the favourite to win. So Anthony Crawler, obviously 31-6 and six with three draws, takes on Ricky Burns. It's a 12-rounder, no title on the line. Ricky Burns 41-6 and six with one draw. I have been bashing Ricky Burns for ages, saying that he's completely washed up. He's, you know, he's, he's no good anymore. I've been a little bit harsh, to be honest. I do like Ricky Burns as a person. Anthony Crawler, I like him as a person as well. And I was looking down his resume as well and when you actually look at Barroso I mean it, you know it was it was a decent win and some of these other wins they were okay and then he just got completely schooled by Linares you know 110% and if there's a bet on it I'm gonna go and check it out if there's a bet that says this fight goes to the distance I would put my house on that because this fight 100% is going to the distance nobody's knocking nobody out that is 100% guaranteed if that does not happen you know, if, if if someone gets knocked out in this fight, I'm going to do something wild. I'm going to do something wild. I might have to just like do the next few um, the next few podcasts in a in a Chris Eubank senior accent. That's what I'm going to do. Hold me to that for the next ten podcasts. If somebody gets knocked out for the next ten podcasts, I'm just going to do the whole ten of them in Chris Eubank senior's accent. I'm just going to have to be like. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is the Box Hard Podcast. I'm going to have to just do it like that, eyes. I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I'm going to have to do. So, uh, yes, Anthony Crawler, Ricky Burns. How do you see it going, eyes? this fight here? Oh, this is a good fight. It's a make-or-break win for both fighters, in my opinion. I've got a feeling, um, obviously, if Crawler wins, he's got another chance of having another shot at a world title. Um, if Ricky Burns wins, we know that there could be a battle of Scotland where it could be Ricky Burns versus Josh Taylor. Because I remember after the Taylor fight, after Josh Taylor beat uh, O'Hara Davis, they got uh, Channel 5 had got Josh, Josh Taylor for an interview, yeah? And Ricky Burns was right next to him. And they said, how about a fight in the future? And Ricky there was Ricky Burns said, he's got, I've got my future opponent uh, set to fight first. And then if I win, we'll probably think of that in the future. So for me, in my opinion, it's a, it's a 50-50 fight. I can't really choose an opponent. 
opponent. I'm still on the fence, and obviously, um, it's a very it's a very good fight. I like Anthony Corona. I think he's a good fighter. He's fought Linares. In my opinion, I think Linares is one of the best fighters in this planet. He's he got beat. Um, Linares beat him twice though. He's fought um, Dallas. Stopped Dallas. He drew against Dallas Press first. Stopped Dallas Press. Was losing the fight against Ishmael Barroso. Stopped Ishmael Barroso, and then lost to thing. We know that uh, Ricky Burns has fought a very good fight as well, but I don't know. I'm going. It's a 50-50 fight. I can't decide on a fight with this, and I think, but I think this will be a very, very good fight. I as I'm not letting you sit on the fence. It's a 50-50 fight. Everybody knows that I'm going to have to push you for a winner. Okay, if I'm going to have to go for a winner, um, I'm going to have to go with probably Ricky Burns on points. Cause really? He, I don't know, you know. I really I, don't know. I, I Go on, go on. I didn't want to cut you off. Go on. I'll tell you the reason why is that is because Ricky Burns, if he wins that fight, there's that Josh, that big battle of Scotland fight, Josh Taylor, which the fans want to see. Obviously, Ricky Burns, I know he's done He's done his bit. He's a three-weight world champion. If Ricky Burns beats Crawler, he'll fight Josh Taylor, and I think Josh Taylor will stop him, and that's when he retired. That's what I've got a feeling. Yeah, again, as you said just there, you know, it's a make-or-break fight for both men. I think, really and truly, it's almost a break-or-break fight for both men because both men are 100% at the back end of their careers. I don't think either man can win a world title from this point um, unless you get served up somebody like that guy that Ricky Burns got served up. What was that guy's name, the Italian guy that was absolutely dreadful? What was that guy's name again? You know, Michele, for the... Michele De Rocco. Yeah, that was, that was just a complete joke you know unless one of them gets fed someone like that for a vacant title they're not winning no titles both guys i can guarantee you that um firstly i can see i'm not going with this as my prediction but i can actually see a draw i can actually see a draw here but i think i'm i'm gonna go i was gonna go with ricky burns on points the reason why i was gonna go with that was because everybody thinks that Crawler is going to win on points, including our listeners. So our listeners have gone with Crawler to win on points, 67% going with that. Um, yeah, nobody actually going with Burns by knockout completely, not even one vote. So yeah, everybody thinks it's Crawler on points. The bookies believe it's Crawler on points. And there's a bet that I saw last night. If you go, go to the betting shop and, and bet on this, it's 3-1 to one for Burns to win on points, which I think is a very attractive, lucrative bet there. That is like, you know, put £10 on it, you obviously win 30 plus your tenner back. That's a great bet. Um, I think they're, they're massively overlooking Burns, despite him being really washed up and 100% past his best. Still, how good is Anthony Crawler really when he fights an established champion like Ricky Burns? We're going to have to see because he looked completely out of his depth against Linares. I'm being a little bit harsh, I know, but, you know, I've got to say it how it is. I'm going to go with Ricky Burns on points. You're agreeing with me, Ayaz. I am. I only went with Ricky Burns on points because I thought you was going to go with Crawler on points, but I'm going to stick with my guns and still go with Ricky Burns. So me and you both reckon Ricky Burns on points. Our listeners go with Crawler on points. Uh, it's, it is a 50-50, it is. It is 100% a 50-50, but it's not a fantastic fight because... You know, both men at this point in their careers are not that exciting to me. 
what do you think you can you can tweet us on twitter at box hard podcast let me know if i'm being too harsh you can you can you can let me know you can give me a little bit of a telling off right moving over now from the manchester arena to york hall bethnal green a couple fights to mention over here one fight to mention on the undercard asinia byfield 13 and 1 takes on tony dixon 10 and 1 asinia byfield really really impressed me last time out when he took on sammy mcness i was there for that fight just before the riot kicked off in the copper box what a mad night that one was also moving up the undercard once again robin dupree 12 and 0 takes on luke the duke watkins 11 and 0 obviously luke the duke a man being trained by paddy fitzpatrick um you know paddy fitzpatrick been on the show before uh, a, good, a good trainer um that one's for the vacant commonwealth cruiserweight title it's, uh, it's two men undefeated, and I tell you what, I might try and get down to that card, because that is a really, really decent card, even though there's not many fights on it. There's a couple of really, really intriguing ones. I don't think... Oh, no, it's going to be on Channel 5. It's going to be on Channel 5. I might just watch it from home, then, on the uh, in the comfort of my sofa. And the main event, Andrew Selby, 9-0, and massive friend of the show. He's in a 12-round contest against Maximino Flores, 23-3 with one draw. Tough Mexican fighter here. It is an eliminator for a world title there. So it's a big, big, big fight being brought to... Uh, to Bethnal Green there at the York Hall, and that is being brought by Cyclone Promotions. So all the very best to everybody involved there. And that wraps up the previewing. We've done all the talking, we've done the news, we've done the reviewing, and now we've done the previewing. There's one last thing to do before we close out part two, and that, of course, is to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF lightweight and WBA junior middleweight champion of the world, Mr. Vinny Paz. Vinny, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure, sir. It's my pleasure. So, Vinny, I just want to spend a couple of moments looking back over your career. Then I'd like to obviously talk about your very own movie that's come out recently. So, of course, Vinny, you turned pro in 1983. Back then, you were under the tutelage of the late Lou Duva, right? Yes, yes. What was it like to work with a man like that, a man with so much knowledge in the game? It was a trip, you know. He was, um, you know, if, if he wasn't eating, he was he was boxing. He was he was helping boxers. He, he, he was a good guy, but you know they they all they all they everybody's got their flaws. You know he um he was okay. There were a couple of things he did I didn't like, but um, Rue for the most part was was a good guy. Um, it's just the boxing game it's, itself is is a corrupt industry, and and not not subjecting just the boxing game because you know that, I mean that's life. There's every everything. Everybody in life, you know, is out for themselves, and you know they you got to do what you got to do. But you know, I'm uh, I'm not all that happy with what the things that went on in my career and. Stuff. And you know, basically, I would have fought for for ten thousand dollars a fight because I just love to fight, you know. But you know, looking back, there were mistakes. But I'm happy with my career. I'm happy with the way things turned out. I'm 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 elated that I won fifty fights, which is hardly ever done. It, that's a that's a mountain in itself. I won five different world titles. I'm, I'm happy with the way things went. You know, I, I entertained millions of people, millions of people. And that's why, that's the one and only reason why 
I should be in the Hall of Fame by now. It, I don't. I don't know what's going on with that, but I mean, I mean, I do know because you know, life's all about money, and it's because my movie um, didn't do what it should have done, what it could have done, um, because of the producers that were on it. But um, you know, my movie it didn't do like Mickey Ward's movie. Hit was great. Everybody went to see it, and they inducted Mickey right in, into the Boxing Hall of Fame after. And that's what they would have done to mine if if my movie was, you know, somewhat up there, even a little bit. But I had had so many problems with the producers of the movie, and that's a whole other story. I got them in court right now, and uh, that's it. I don't think my PR girl would like me to say anything more than that. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk. And, and you know, and, and we're on the phone right now because of my PR girl. You know that, right, Zena? You know, Paula Chirino. We're on, we're on the phone. She does a great job. She's the best. She's the bomb. She she's just she's just wonderful. Yeah, I, I love that girl to death. I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever seen her, but have you ever seen a picture of her? I believe so. Yes. She's she she's been hot. I, I like. Like that opens a couple of doors up for me. It opens a lot of doors up for me. She's she's freaking hot, bro. <laughs> Shout it, out to Zena. It, it's always good to have a hot PR girl. <laughs> I, I have to agree. If I if I'm ever in a position to to have my own PR, then uh, yeah, I certainly I certainly bear that that factor in mind. Right, Vinny. Moving on to um, obviously some of your you know some of your most memorable nights. I want to just fast forward. We started in 1983. I want to fast forward to your first world title fight. Obviously, you took on Greg Haugen in 1987. At that point, you had a record of 22 and one, even knocking out Joe Fraser Jr. a lot. Along the way, uh, obviously Greg Haugen was nineteen and oh, you beat him unanimously over fifteen rounds back then. This was obviously yeah. um, your first fight of your eventual three fights in total. What do you remember from that night, Vinny? Yes, yes. Well, I remember that being you know one of the greatest nights of my life. Um, you know, I'm, actually, my my record going into that fight was twenty three and oh because a fight in Italy. You know, Italy was all messed up. Their their commission was not like it should have been. I got headbutted in a fight. In uh, I believe it was uh, let me see. I fought Riva Delgada, and um, and I think and I think my next fight was in Rome. But um, I got headbutted with with some dude. I was beating him, and you know he, he the like that's all they told me about him is just watch his head, and he's a billy goat. So, you know, he got me, and he got me good. Um, eyebrow to eyebrow, I got cut. And uh, they finally stopped the fight, and I think the fourth or fifth round, somewhere around there. And uh, it got awarded as a no contest, and then it went down as a loss as it went on. But, uh, you know, it, I mean, it really makes no no difference you know, in the big old, in the big scheme of things, it means not absolutely nothing. But um, my first fight with Greg Haugen was a memorable one because it was fought on NBC on the Wide World of Sports during the day when there was only three channels. You know, there was only ABC, NBC, and CBS, 
and some people would hook up a hook up an antenna, hook up a, a hanging <laughs> a, a clothes hanger to the back of their TV, and they'd get a UFA, they'd get a they'd get a VHS or U, UHS channel. Um, so it was a big fight, and uh, I I beat him. I was sick as a dog the day that I fought him because I couldn't make the weight. And when I finally did, I just, you know, I started eating like crazy. And, and you know, the, that day, the day of the fight was when the weigh-in was. So I was sick as a, a dog, crazy, like how I fought. I don't know. I have no idea how I did it. But amazingly enough, I was losing after the 12th round, which in today's day and era, I would have lost the fight. I would have lost the title. I won the fight in the 13th, 14th, and 15th rounds. I rallied back, and um, and I beat his little stupid ass, and uh, and we had a rematch. And in the rematch, I thought I was going to kill him because I had so many problems in the first fight, and, and I beat him in the last three rounds. So I figured I was going to just tear him apart, and I let my weight go, and... I just, you know, drank too much liquids closer to the fight. I literally was 13 pounds over the day of the weigh-in. The day of the weigh-in, I was 13 pounds overweight. And I was just horrid, uh, you know, horrid. And I knew I had nothing in the fight, and he fought a great fight. And uh, I lost that one. And then in the second fight, he... uh, he agreed to let me come in at 142, um, which was a disaster on his part because I came in at probably around 152, and I just cleaned his clock. In the third fight, I beat him easy. He didn't even, he didn't even touch me. I, I don't think he hit me twice in the third fight. And um, and funny, funny enough, oddly enough, the thing I remember about that mostly is I felt good. I was I was looking good. I was all tanned up, and in the front row was the president of our country, of the United States. Donald Trump was sitting with Evander Holyfield in the front row. I, it was it was memorable, very memorable because of that, and because two out of three I beat that little punk. <laughs> yeah, I want to try and, to. Oh, did, did I, oh, I'm sorry, but did I tell you that I hate Greg? How did did I did I mention that? I, 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 did, I didn't guess that you were best of friends having three fights. Yeah, no. It's not even because of the fights. He's just a little twat. I can't stand that kid. I'll choke him out if I see him any time in the near future. Believe me. <laughs> Let's hope you don't see him. Let's hope you don't see him. Right. Obviously, after the first fight, obviously, you, um, you, you won the first fight. You had the rematch. You lost the second fight. I just want to knock it back a tiny bit you you went on to fight two other guys after losing to him you knocked both of those guys out before taking on Roger Mayweather for the WBC World Super Lightweight title at that time now ultimately you lost that fight over 12 rounds but immediately after the fight you collapsed and were rushed to hospital you nearly passed away that night right yeah yeah that was that was a bad night boy you know and in that fight, I just think of my dad, because if my dad wasn't with me, we wouldn't be talking right now on the phone. You know, I, I got lucky. My father was a great man, and, and he was always by my side as much as he could be anyways. And um, I was just, I was on, I was on, 
the table in the hospital. They had two IVs in me, one in each arm. And I can just remember, I can remember thinking, you know what, I, you know, I, 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 I just got beat by Roger Mayweather. I literally was beating the tar out of Rocky Lockridge, who knocked out Mayweather. They took me as the sparring partner for Rocky Lockridge. I was beating his butt every day. And, and Rocky knocked out Roger Mayweather flat, like knocked him out. And so I, you know, I thought I was going to beat him easy. You know, just, I was trying to make the weight. I couldn't make the weight. It was killing me, killing me. So, um, I lost the fight and it was the first time I got put down on my ass and, and I just couldn't believe it. I was, I was, I was literally so humiliated. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And, um, I was at the hospital and I just thought, you know what? I'm 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 gonna die. I don't give a shit. Uh I I lost the fight and everyone was at the fight because I was the co feature to Sugar and Leonard versus Donnie Lalonde for the light heavyweight championship of the world. And um of course Sugar and Leonard won and so many celebrities were at the fight and and I was just so embarrassed that, that that he put me down and beat me. I couldn't do anything with him. I remember the fight like being like a bad dream. Like when you try to hit somebody and you can't, or it just don't hurt. Like that's how I remember that fight. I was so drained. And um, I was I was going through white clouds, bro. Honest to, honest to God, I saw myself going up through clouds, up and up and up. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not a very religious person, but... I was floating up higher and higher through white clouds, and it felt great. It felt great, and I just said to myself, you know, frick it. This is it. I'm going. And the nurse, I, like I literally heard heard them. I, I heard the nurse tell my father, I said, Mr. Pazienza, I, I hate to say this, but we're losing your son. He's only got one heartbeat at every, like, six to eight seconds. And when she said that to my dad, he grabbed my shirt and he started shaking me violently. And, uh, and like, I heard his voice like saying, champ, I don't care. You lost. Don't do this. And he was shaking me. And, and as soon as he started like, like shaking my, my whole body up, going up through clouds, boom, it stopped. And I came back and, and, and the clouds were gone forever. And that that was it, and I I came back, or else we wouldn't be talking right now. Oh, that is incredible. That, that that is absolutely incredible. Now, obviously, after that fight, you fought another three guys. You knocked all of those guys out before fighting for the WBO World Super Lightweight Title. This time, this was against obviously the then undefeated thirty six and zero Hector Camacho. Unfortunately, you came yeah. up short once again there. Now, how good was yeah. Hector Camacho, Vinny? Because people tend to forget how good he was. All in all, he was yeah. only um, he was a professional for for almost thirty years, which is insane. He was he was a great fighter, great fighter, great speed, great movement, great knowledge. Um, yeah, Hector was great. I, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm kind of sad that he's he's gone now. He he was a hot ticket, but he loved he loved his drugs. You know, that's, he loved those drugs. That's how he lived. That's how he died. You know, and and, and there's nothing you can do about it. But, 
people are who they are and, and that's it. And he just he just loved the party. He loved that he loved that cocaine and it killed him. In the end, you know, because he was having to sell it and, you know, doing it and taking it and selling it and it finally caught up with him. He he was he, he was a good guy though, Hector all in all, to be honest with you. And uh crazy, you know, like you know, who's not? But he um he was a great fighter. He could fight. He he could fight. That dude that dude was fast as lightning. Fast as lightning. One of one of if not the fastest fighters I ever fought. Between him and Roy Jones, it's a toss up. But oh my God, Hector was so fast. And on top of it all, he was left handed, which made him even more difficult to fight. You know, and and like I think, you know, being in the ring with him, making 140 pounds. I couldn't make it. I was weak as 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 hell that fight. I, you know, I, I think I think I would have ran him out of the ring pretty pretty good. But he was a real slick dude, man. He knew how to fight. He knew how to move. Knew how to get get out of the way. Newton. He he, he was he was um, he was quite a student of the boxing game. He. Um, Sharp, 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 sharp as attack. And just, he was so fast. You know, I, I say it all the time. I still say it to this day. I, you know, just the other day, my friend was driving like 75, 80 miles an hour in, in a 45 zone. And I was like, dude, speed kills. Drop it down a little bit, bro. Drop it down. You know, because it, it, it's so true. In life, on the road, and in the ring, speed kills. You know, and you say what you want, but that's a fact, Jack. Yeah, no, certainly. But no, he's he's a fighter that I feel sometimes when people look back at some of the great fighters, they kind of forget to mention him. He was such a good fighter. Yeah, absolutely. At one, at one point, he was the dude everyone wanted to watch on TV, even even though he like was very slick, slick, slick with his movement and defense. He was fast as lightning. People still wanted to see him, even when they talk talk crap about him. People still wanted to see Hector fight. He was a good fighter. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, after losing that fight, that is when you took on Greg Haugen for the for the third time. This was obviously best out of three going into the fight. It was one one between you guys, and this time you beat him over ten rounds. Finally, putting that. Well, I was going to say finally putting the rivalry to bed, but obviously you've still got feelings about that. But how good was it to get the, you know, to get the win there to kind of shut the book on that one? It was awesome. It was one of the greatest, best nights of my life because I I hated that little maggot then. I hate him more now. He, I just, I and I beat his ass. He didn't even touch me. He 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 barely hit me through the whole fight. My defense was super. I was moving. I was boxing him, hitting him with combinations. I was showing out on him. I put on a show for for President Trump. It was one of the coolest fights of my life. And then afterwards, he's still talking shit that oh, I I won the fight. They they gave him a break. They what? Come on. Like, what a little baby. If you're going to beat people up in a ring, if you're going to be a fighter and you're going to knock people out, you're going to beat people up, then you better learn to accept it when you get knocked out or beat the, beat the tar out of. You better learn how to accept it. And he, he never learned how to accept it. <laughs> Yeah, OK, 
okay. But no, it was a obviously it was good to shut that to shut that uh, that little chapter up there. Yeah, obviously after that fight, you you went on to take on Loretto Garza. Now uh, you were disqualified in in round eleven for that. I was watching it the other day. I, I don't really I don't know if you did done anything previous to the the well it looked like a bit of a it looked like you tried to body slam him Vinny why'd you do that <laughs> because I was so frustrated and um I, I couldn't get to him and you know I I, I hit hard and when, when I hit hard when I I hit I hit people they they get hurt and it and and just making that weight just made it made it like Made like a bad dream every fight, you know. Like you can't hit somebody, you know. You, you know you got all this power, and you try to hit them, but it just don't land. It don't. It don't. It don't have no speed on it. It doesn't connect, and it's just so frustrating, man. So I finally said, "Ah, oh, fuck this." I, you know, I'm sick of this shit, and and I literally picked him up, and I was gonna throw him over the top rope, but you know. I, I didn't, and I got disqualified anyways. And Loretto's a really good guy. You know, I've, I've become friendly with him. Real nice guy. And he was a great fighter. Like most guys in boxing, most fighters that fight with a lot of heart, that are tough tough guys, are good guys outside the ring. You know, Loretto's a good guy. Real, real, he's, he's a good dude, a stand-up, stand-up dude. I, I wish he lived in Rhode Island. I'd be hanging out with him. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. It, it is that you know. I've spoken to loads of loads of boxers over the years, and uh, yeah, you're right. Some of the, some of the toughest guys are some of the nicest guys. Now, obviously, after yeah. that fight, Vinny, after that fight, you decided to move up not just one but two weight classes because um, you know you you felt that you were just killing yourself to make that weight. Is that the reason why you moved up? You know, two weight classes, which is pretty unheard of, really, to go up to. Absolutely, yeah, and, and I, don't, I only I only did it because I was I went with Kevin Rooney, and I went to Kevin Rooney's gym in Catskills. I drove from Rhode Island, and um, I boxed his best middleweight, and I beat the tar out of this guy. Like I I gave him a boxing lesson. We were slugging. I was beating him, beating him, you know, punch for punch, and you know he was hitting me with with bombs and I wasn't moving and I was I was hitting him and I was hurting him and literally we were going to go six rounds he only went he only he got out of the ring after the fourth round with me um gave him a beam that was that was his best middleweight so now after the the sparring match I, I do a little jump open hit the speed bag I do some push-ups I do some sit-ups and um, I jump on the scale, and just like in the movie, like in Bleed for This, Bleed the movie was good, and it was it was kind of spot on. It was a lot of things that happened. It was reality, the movie. Um, but it's pretty funny though, because I, I can remember it. It cracks me up because it's just it's uh, you know you get you get a boxing mindset like like the doofus, like it made me believe that I had to stay at lightweight. Like I had to stay at 135 pounds or it would be over. Like my boxing career would be over if I didn't stay at 135 pounds. I, that's where I had to stay, which is ridiculous. You know, guys grow up, guys turn into men, 
kids go into in, in into manhood. You know, you get muscle, you work out every day, you pack out muscle, muscles heavier than than fat, you know, heavier than, than no muscle. And of course you gain a little bit of weight. You know, I, I've been kept down in weight since I was at the Olympic Training Center. So anyways, when when I met with Kevin Rooney and I went down to box his middleweight, gave him a beat and, and um and then I then I even worked out a little bit more after I was drenched, I was soaked, I had to lose I had to lose I don't know, somewhere between five and ten pounds. So anyways, I, I'm ready to get on the scale and I have literally nothing on me but a little a little pair of bikini um underwear. And Kevin says, Come on, let me get on the scale. I said, Well what are you doing? He said, What do you mean what am I doing? I said, Move it up. He said why? I said, what do you mean why? I'm not fighting. That, that's, that's if I fight 140. I'm not, I'm not 140. He says, well, what do you want me to put up to? I said, well, I don't know. Put it up to like, put it up to 160. He says, 160. So he puts it up to 145. He puts it to 145. I get on and the damn scale almost breaks. Boom! It, it, the 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 calculator hits the top the the number oh my god it, it, I'll never forget it it hits the top of the damn scale and almost busted it <laughs> and he looks at me he goes he goes you kidding right you kidding right really really one forty five you drenched you, you you had to lose like maybe ten pounds one forty five in the in that's not even what you weigh so he goes let me see your weight don't move don't move so he goes forty six. 47, 49, 50, 53, 55, 56, and then it started leveling out around, you know, around, around, uh, 157, 58, and he goes, he just, he just shook his head. He goes, this is, this is effing ridiculous. He said, you gotta be kidding me, right? And and um, and that's what made me move up a couple of weight classes. And it was the greatest thing that I did in my life. And, you know, figures, like, literally, I'm so lucky I did not die in any of those earlier fights. Because dehydration, you know, it's a, it's a bad thing. When you, went to, um, when you went to Kevin Rooney, was that before or after the Rod, uh, sorry, the Ron Admonson fight? That was immediately before because 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 like he called he called the doobies and he you know he told them he said he said hey so listen I'm, I'm training Vinny now and he's fighting at, at uh junior middleweight and and that's it I, I ain't letting him fight no 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 later and they said okay all right you're sure and you're yeah i'm very sure and he said get us a fight so um, they got me my first fight for the United States title, the United States Junior Middleweight title against Ron Amundsen, and um, and I beat him. Um, good fighter, he had a good record. He was the defending champion, and uh, I cleaned his clock. I beat him soundly over twelve rounds, and uh, then I fought Gilbert Duray and uh, beat him. And obviously, he fought the WBA title. For the WBA title, that was that was a big one. And and obviously being with Kevin Rooney, obviously at that point he had 
just I think a couple years before just finished off with Mike Tyson obviously Um, Kevin Rooney again he's another man who's very underrated in terms of training when we look back what was it like being trained by a man with that level of knowledge as well for the game loved him loved Kevin loved Kevin I loved Kevin he was awesome great man great guy great trainer and um, you know I, I had a lot of laughs with him he would come down and stay with me a month before each fight at my house, and uh, we we had a great we had a great connection, and um, it worked. It really really worked. And and he he had uh, he had me, you know, slipping a lot of punches, you know, moving and and grooving and and beating up a lot of guys. I'm not, like the last time he came to Rhode Island, I, I didn't, I didn't even want to go see him because he's got dementia, and that's how my father died. So I, I, I could, I couldn't, I didn't even want to see him. I didn't go see him, and I just, like, I, I, I don't like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take seeing him like that. He's only, he's only eight years older than me, you know. Kevin is, and um, he had dementia. Uh, he had was on the brink of Alzheimer's. And he had it pretty bad, from what they tell me. And, and literally, not that much older than me, but, you know, he got knocked out a couple of times in the boxing ring. I never did. He did drugs when he was a kid, you know, and, and I never did. And and he drank as a young, young guy. You know, he used to hang around with a bad crowd in New York. And, you know, luckily enough, I never done that. Yeah, no, best wishes with Kevin Rooney, by the way. And obviously, um, as you touched on there, your your next fight after the uh, the, the the Ron Edmondson fight was against Gilbert Dele, obviously for the uh, the WBA World Junior Middleweight Title. Now, you were winning the fight, but just to put the cherry on the icing on the cake, you knock him out in the final round and become the new WBA Junior Middleweight Champion of the World. Obviously, um, you know your second major title. How are you feeling at that point, Benny? On top of the world, bro. <laughs> I, I was feeling on top of the world. <laughs> I was, I, I couldn't, you know, it was, it was almost, it was almost too good to be true, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I was, I was on top of the world. I was, I was feeling good. I was, I was looking good. I was, I, I had my game down. I was on top of the world, world champion, you know, girls everywhere money everywhere it was just a crazy a crazy time in my life and uh and then you know go figure maybe maybe god said well you gotta step it back a little bit pal you're getting a little too big for your britches you know because it was it was not like crazy when i tell you crazy people throwing money at me, people like girls throwing themselves at me. It was, it was a crazy period in my life. And, uh, and, and I guess <laughs> the big guy said, well, i take it back a little step here. He just relax, past me. You'll get through this, but it'll calm you down a little bit. And, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah, and we should know also that, that that was obviously your last fight before the horrific accident. That fight was also 26 years ago this week. That's the reason why, of course, we're we're doing this on the, on this particular week. 
Now here is where things obviously. Hey, they they nickname they nickname that fight like you know I, I think of it every time you know October first comes around because that's when I won the title. They called it October fifth. It was on October first. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. You know they called it October fifth. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Now, obviously, here was where things went from amazingly good to rock bottom bad, really. How many days or weeks was it after the fight where you were in that life-changing car crash, Vinny? Um, it was a couple weeks later. Um, I think it was about, about three weeks later, around 21 days. And... Obviously, now your movie's out. Your your movie mainly being based on 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 the accident. Um, your movie obviously is entitled "Bleed for This," and for your UK fans, they are lucky enough that the film's on Netflix in the UK, which is the same place where I watch the film. So the film itself, you will see many of the things in the film that I've mentioned already during this interview, along with the horrific car crash and, of course, the miraculous recovery that followed that tragic event. So I'll I'll continue, Vinny. You were you were a passenger of a vehicle that collided with another vehicle and obviously the the accident left you with a broken neck you had to vacate the world title the doctors told you that you'd never walk again you'd certainly never fight again and of course you had to wear a halo with four screws drilled into your skull now i know what happens next obviously uh, you disobeyed the doctor's orders, continued to work out, but surely, Vinny, there must have been a period of time where you believed the doctors and actually thought this could be it. And surely that was a depressing time for you. Depressing. <laughs> the, and the depressing <laughs> is putting it very mildly. Mildly. Yeah, depressing was was the tip of the iceberg. It was it was a it was a horrific moment in my life. You know, like think about it. You wake up every day and you see four screws in your skull. Like, like you, it was, it was incredible. I like, I, I'm like going, come on, man, really? The, the 2000th century, this is what they're going to do to somebody put screws in my head. There's screws in my skull. Like what, what's going on? And, you know, I, um, I, I just, I stayed so strong and, and, you know, every, every time I looked in the mirror, I, you know, I literally, every time I looked in the mirror, bro, I said, what the fuck are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like, every time I looked in the mirror, what are you doing, man? And I said, right, whatever you're doing, just keep fucking doing it because you're going to make this happen or you're going to die trying. And that's literally how it went down. And and I got lucky, you know, got lucky, but a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat, a lot of hard work, a lot of, a lot of fingers crossed, and you know, big guys looking out for me, and it made it happen. And as I said there, you obviously disobeyed doctor's orders, and unbelievably, you were in the ring just 13 months after the car crash. You then perform what many consider to be the greatest comeback of all time. You step right back in with a big puncher by the name of Luis Santana. Now, you pitched a shutout win over 10 rounds, pretty much. Luis Santana, of course, ended up going on to win a world title after that. One thing that shocked me, Vinny, is that you were out of the ring in total for 14 months, and in that time, in the, in the time out of the ring, you only gained four pounds how on earth did you manage to keep the weight down so well i was just determined to fight again and that's it bottom line i was i was just i i had one thought in my mind and that was it that i was going to be a world champion again and i was going to fight no matter what happened 
and and that's it. You know, everything else fell into place. I got I got extremely lucky, um, but it was pers- pers- persistence, perseverance, determination to the max, and I made things happen. And got lucky, and got lucky with a lot of with with a lot of skill, but with a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work, and and I took my chances. You know, I rolled the dice. That was that was a big one. You know, I rolled the dice. I could have sevened out any at any moment, but I didn't. And of course, the journey doesn't stop there. But I'm just going to run through some of the fights now a little bit quickly. After the Santana fight, obviously, you made um, you made Brett Lally retire on his store after six rounds. Then you went on to knock out our very own Lloyd Hunnigan in ten rounds. You then win three more fights and then take on Roberto Duran, in which you shocked the world once again by outpointing him over twelve rounds. Now, some people said it was a bit controversial, so you ended up giving him a rematch, and again you beat him over twelve rounds this time even wider than before. Unbelievable stuff. Which part of those two at Roberto Duran victories was the most memorable moments for you, Vinny? My most memorable moment, and, and I tell I tell Duran this now because we're, we're friends. I love the guy. He's one of the reasons why I started. I, lo- I loved Muhammad Ali, but I really liked Roberto Duran. He was an animal. Oh, my God, I love that guy. And, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali was just the man. I, I, I loved boxing because of him. But um, when I fought Duran, like, he was older. So, you know, I, I didn't know. I I had no idea, like, I was thinking a man 40 years old, like, you, he's got to be, like, my thought process then, <laughs> back then, was he's got to have, like, one foot on a banana peel and the other one, you know, in 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 the in the grave. So I, I just I, I I had no idea a guy in his forties could fight and especially stay with me because I was I was in my I was in my early thirties, but I was I was a beast. I was like, I, you know, I'm I'm so immature, bro. So I didn't I didn't grow up till I was like in my thirties. So. I just thought I was going to clean his clock. And, and I remember getting in, in the ring with him the first time in Vegas. I just couldn't believe how strong he was. It was amazing. It was amazing. I'd never been in the ring with anybody that that hit so hard. And, and like every shot he, he landed was like a thud. Boom! It was just unbelievable, you know, because obviously he wasn't the Duran of of, of yesteryear, you know, because Duran was amazing and fast as lightning and tough as nails, and still, still to this day, you know, when you're tough as nails, you you die tough as nails. But I just remember he hit me with a body shot one time, and I went, you got to be kidding me. Oh, my God, I got to take 12 rounds of this shit. I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I literally couldn't believe it. And I beat him. He dropped me. He dropped me in the fifth round, and uh, he hit me with a shot. And literally, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel anything. But I just, the next thing I knew, I saw a canvas next to my eyeball. And that, that was was not a familiar place for me to be while I'm in a fight. So I, I just couldn't believe it. So I jumped up 
I jumped up and I went to the neutral corner and I was smacking myself on the head. I'll never forget it. And and I was looking in the crowd. I had my hands on the ropes. I'm looking in the crowd. And I just remember seeing Montel Williams in the, in the front row. And I'm looking at him. And Montel's a great guy. He's, he's awesome. I, I did his show once with my mother. Real nice dude. And loved him. We went out to eat after. And and he was a sweetheart. And, and I'm looking at him. And he's going, come on. He's got his hand up in the air. And he's going, come on, Benny. You can do it. And I just remember thinking to myself, looking at him. I just, I thought, I, I thought to myself, fuck you, Montel. <laughs> you get your, you get your bald-headed ass up in there, and you go with this animal, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, it's easy, it's easy just sitting outside the ring in the front row. Yeah. Like, I'm dying to see him again just so I can tell him that, because he'll crack up. He's a real nice guy. <laughs> And uh, and then I went back in there. And then after that round ended, I followed Duran back to his corner. And I told him, I said, I, I was screaming at him, yelling, I ain't going nowhere, Duran. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and he, he looked at me and he just he just punked me off. And he said, loco, loco. Yeah, and that, that's when I knew I had him. And then... Um, that was the first fight in Vegas. And then the second fight in Atlantic City um, was was for Donald Trump for our president. Um, that second fight, I whitewashed him. He got very old in between. It was, about, it was about a year later that I fought him. He got very old in between. It was not, he was not as quick. He was not as, as, as limber. He was not as loose. He wasn't as good as he was in the first fight. And, you know, because when you get in your 40s, I mean, it's over. When you get in your 30s in boxing, it's over. Never mind your 40s. So anyways, but I do remember this. In in one of the rounds, I don't even remember what round it was because I was in orbit the whole freaking round. He hit me with an overhand right. I didn't say nothing. I didn't do nothing. I grabbed him and held on a little bit. Didn't, nobody knew I was hurt. No one knew nothing. I moved around the ring. I did not know where I was. I did not know. Like, he hit me so hard. I, like, I was, I was in space. I didn't, I didn't even know I was in a, in a freaking boxing ring in Atlantic City. I didn't know where I was. I'll never forget that. He hit me so freaking hard. In, in that second fight, like I cleaned his clock. I, I, I beat him every round, but he just hit me one time. And when I tell you, it was like getting hit by one of those balls that go into the building and just start wrecking, start breaking bricks. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I never got hit like that in my life. In, in my life, I got sparred thousands of rounds with heavyweights. I've never got hit like that in my life. And um, and then you know I won the fight, and and then after I, I bust his balls now. I every time I see him, I said, "Don't hit me!" I said, "Don't hit me, please, please, whatever you do, do do it. Don't hit me." <laughs> I said, "You, I called you. I bust his ball. I said, you old motherfucker. You can still hit like a like a ton of bricks. Don't touch me. Don't don't even touch me." <laughs> he just he starts cracking up. <laughs> 
Excellent. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Now, obviously, after that Duran fight, you took on a very superb version of Roy Jones back then, and obviously, you lost that fight. But um... And that was on my worst night. My worst night. They, they, they got me good. You know, they, they, it was his promoting team. So I asked them when I'm going to fight. They told me between 9, 10 o'clock. So I'm figuring, all right, good. And, and, and I knew, you know, Jones, Jones was, was awesome. It, it didn't get any better than Jones. Jones was Sugar Ray Robinson at that moment. At that moment. Sugar Ray Robinson was Sugar Ray Robinson for 25 years. But, but that moment, Roy Jones was Sugar Ray Robinson. Big difference. You know, Roy Jones was Sugar Ray Robinson for, you know, maybe maybe six, nine years. You know, Sugar Ray Robinson was Sugar Ray Robinson for 25 years or more, which is quite amazing. That guy got to 100 wins and no losses. It, it's, it's remarkable. You know, Definitely 1,000% the greatest fighter of all time, without a doubt, Sugar Ray Robinson. But anyway, so that fight, they tell me I'm going to fight him 9, 10 o'clock. So I, I start, I prepare to get jacked up for 9.30, ready to go. I'm in the back, you know, I'm drinking coffee. I got, I got my power pills I'm taking, caffeine pills, you know, getting jacked up, ready to, ready to fight, ready to go. 9.30, I'm good. Nine, 10 o'clock, I'm good. I'm sweating. I'm jamming. I'm ready. 10.30, I'm ready to go. Let's, you know, let's get this on. 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock. They woke me up on my table. They woke me up at, at like 7 past 12, 10 past 12. And that's when, when the fight, the fight was quarter past 12. <laughs> I, I had that guy. He was unbelievable. At that time, he was just unbelievable, and I couldn't do nothing with him. It was the worst night of my life and the best night of his life. So that's how I that's how I chalk that up to. Yeah, no, but once again, uh, you know, another huge name that you shared the ring with Vinny there, and um, obviously at that point you were you know you were kind of closing out you know you, you, your pro career really. You had fourteen yeah. more fights from there, winning ten and losing four. Now I just want to move on to. Um, to, to to say a few words on the film for those who haven't watched it. Say that again, Vinny. Very good, very inspirational. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, now, how did the whole thing come about in the beginning, Vinny? And, and why didn't a film end up happening years ago, really? <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. And um, probably because, basically, I did not have like anyone with me, I didn't have nobody in my corner, you know, it was just, it was really just me and my dad, and, you know, my dad wasn't into that kind of business, it wasn't, you know, wasn't a boxing trainer, wasn't uh, a PR person, wasn't a, you know, a uh, agent, you know, now, now things are different, I, I wish I had my Xena, you know, now, um, with me, my PR girl. Now I wish I she was with me then. Things would be much different. But um, yeah, the movie the movie happened, and uh, it's it, you know life is so crazy, and and mine's just a little crazier than everybody else's, um, just because of what I've done my whole life, and and the ups, the downs, the, the good, the bad. The money, the no money, the good, the bad, the ugly, 
it's just, you know, it's a crazy life I've, I've led. And uh, it's a good one, but it's crazy. And uh, I wish I would have had my, my Zena with me at the time. Things would be different. But um, I got them in a court case now. You know, it's just, it's just amazing how things happen. But I'm just very fortunate that the movie itself is super good. It's really good, and, and I'm, I'm proud of it, and uh, people love it. So, I mean, just last night, I, I, went, I was out here in Rhode Island, and a couple people came up to me. Oh, my God, Vinny, the movie's so great. Oh, my God. I watched it, like, five times already. And, like, everywhere I go, I get that same, that same response. So it's pretty cool. And other than that, I, I am... Um, Working with my my PR girl is uh, Zena. She's the bomb. Like I told you again and again, and I will always say it again and again. And uh, we got a wine coming out that's really awesome. I got um, my five times better wine, and it's so good. My red wine is just so so good. You know, I I, I love red wine, and and this this literally this is the only red wine I drink with nothing else in it. Like, cause I, I always put like crystal light in it on diet Coke in with my red wine. This wine's so damn good that, uh, I know I don't, I don't put nothing in it. And then I got a, um, a white wine, which is good, which I don't drink white wine, but it, it's also very good. And my champagne is really good. Um, off the hook, really, really tasty. So that's um, a good thing happening for me right now. What I want to just touch on, on on the movie itself is that what I really liked about it and what kind of made it stand out from some other boxing movies out there is that it wasn't all just about the fighting. From 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 what I saw in Bleed for This, there was a lot of um, you know showings of personal life and family orientated stuff. And for a boxing film, you don't usually see that. It, it kind of it's all action usually, and it, it's not really real. There's no real story behind it. But I felt a real story behind. Uh, bleed for this and also I was watching it I said to my girlfriend come on let's let's watch this film and she's like oh I don't want to watch a boxing film and about five minutes into it I said all right you go in to bed then she went no I'm going to carry on watching it so that just kind of shows you right there yeah. that you know it gets your cool. attention do you agree with me yeah, on the fact that it was very family orientated yeah yeah that's it's pretty cool yeah they they did a nice job with it and um you know the producers had nothing to do with that of course but the the people on on the uh, set were really good. Uh, the actors all put out you know a great job. And yes, you're right. It's um it's just a boxing background, you know that just happens to be what it what it was. But it show it shows uh you know shows that you can you can do great things in life if you put your mind to it, and and you know stay strong and keep battling you can make some great things happen and that's what the movie's all about and it definitely it definitely tapped into that it it definitely had you know it was it was uh, to me it, it's one of the greatest movies of all time it's just a shame that it wasn't out there advertised you know to be seen by so many but um hopefully we can make another run of it you know I'm hoping you know my PR girl is the bomb and we're trying to make it make it happen again you know because it, it, it's been seen by people but so not enough people 
saw that movie than than what really should have. And and you you seeing it and, and feeling the way you feel, you know exactly what I mean. You know, everybody should see that movie. You know, for one reason or another, everybody and I don't I don't give a shit what anybody says. Black, white, poor, rich, you know, good looking, ugly, fat, skinny, you know, stupid, smart. Everybody, everybody goes down in life at some at some point, sometime. They everybody faces some controversy, faces some battle, faces some uphill struggle. And my movie, you know, will, will make you keep going. It, it'll make you, it'll make you think twice. That's for damn sure. And it was good. It was good. And Vinny, I want to ask you about a couple of things that happened in the film that I wasn't aware of and, you know, um, I, I wasn't sure if they were things that actually happened or, were, you know, t- to make the movie a tiny bit more interesting. Um, do you mind if I, if I ask you a couple of the things? Let's, let's go, shoot, whatever. I know that in the film, your father walked out of your corner. Did that happen in real life? No, that, that, was, strictly, that was strictly for the movie. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And obviously, when you returned to the gym after the crash, um, in the in the movie, it, it, they played it out that nobody wanted to spar you, and when someone eventually did spar you, you were dropped in the first spar back. That was that was ninety um, percent the truth. Okay. Yeah, nobody nobody want nobody wanted to box me, um, because like other than what some people think, I'm a pretty good guy. And I make friends with everybody. Nobody wanted to break my neck again in the ring, you know. So, you know, one would take the challenge. And then um, finally, literally, I got a buddy of mine from from Fall River, Massachusetts, who's a great fighter. His name's Ray Oliveira. And um, he says, "Come on, Vinny." He says, "I'll, I'll spar with you." And we um. We got him to to box with me, and it was a good fit because you know Ray was not a good puncher, but he was a real fast, good fighter. And uh, he didn't want to hit me in the beginning too, so I started banging on, banging on, beating beating the tar out of him. And then finally, he started going back at it, and we went at it. And then after the second round, I went back to the corner, and I I high fived Kevin Rooney, I high fived my father. And I said, we're back, we're back, bleepers, (laughs) we're back, we're back, bleepers. And obviously, um, I wanted to also ask you, because you had the halo on your head for, I think it was about three, four months, something like that. How, how were you able to sleep at night with that thing on? Not, (laughs) let me, (laughs) let me just say. Uh, not well. <laughs> uh, I did not sleep well for those months of my life. Oh my god! Like, like I, it's almost like I almost want to say to you, like, dude, really think about it. Put a screw in your skull and try to go to bed. <laughs> and obviously, you know, drill a screw in your skull and then go to bed. Yeah, go ahead. See how you sleep. <laughs> Obviously, earlier this year, Vinny, you you toured the UK. Um, will you be back in the UK anytime soon at all? Or are you touring anywhere else? 
Yeah, I, I really hope I will be back in the, in the UK because I love the people there. You know, it's it's a great boxing country. Um, you know, there's a lot of history, and they they love the boxing. They really do. I got too many fans over there, and I respect it and appreciate it so much. Um, yeah, I I I really I plan and hope to c- come back there real soon. And also, um, coming down to the last couple of questions now, Vinny, how many countries is the film is the film being shown in? Because I know that recently it was released in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was released in Japan, China, Italy, um, the UK, and and even uh, even other places that I'm not even sure about, but. Um, the rap bastard producers that are on the set, like, don't even tell me. They don't. I don't hear from them. You know, it's it's almost it's almost like a joke. But um, they'll get theirs. We have them in a court case, and hopefully justice will be served. But uh, besides that, uh, I'm I'm happy to talk to you. I'm glad people are listening. And I'm 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 gonna be really happy that a lot of people see the movie because it's really good and it's it's true. It's no rocky bullshit, you know. I mean, it it's not it's not like you know not Rocky One, not Rocky Six, and they were all great movies, but they were movies. This is reality. This is this is no joke. This is really what happened. Like this really happened. You know, I'm a real person. The Tasmanian Devil lives in, and I only lived because of that movie. So I would love everybody to see it. And just, as I say, just coming down to the last couple questions, Vinny, I want to ask you this. You had many hard fights in your career. Which fight or fighter, whichever you prefer, which fight or fighter would you say was the hardest challenge that you've ever had in your career? I fought so many great fighters, I, I just, I, w- I wouldn't be right if I picked out one name. So many great fighters. But I will tell you this. The one and only guy who hit me the hardest in the ring was Roberto Duran. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah, well, you know, you... yeah hand, hands down. And, you know, I mean, I fought so many great fighters. You know, from Hector Camacho to Roy Jones, you know, Greg Haugen, Loretto Gaza, the Mayweather fight. Um, so many. It, you know, Delay was a great fight. Delay was undefeated in 30 fights. You know, I, I was his first defeat. And, um, yeah, yeah, but but without a doubt, just uh, hands down, whenever anybody asks me a question like that, I just think of Roberto Duran. And, and, and he did that at 40 years old. You know, oh, my God, I can only imagine what he was like at 27. <laughs> And also a question I want to throw at you, Vinny. I like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to um, from overseas. I'd like to ask you your favorite UK fighter from any era, Vinny. Who would you say? They can still be boxing now. They can be long retired. I used to like Nigel Ben. He was a, he was a badass. And, and I wanted to fight him at one time. And I thought it was going to happen. But it, and I only wanted it to happen because just the, the name of the fight would have been like phenomenal. Like, listen to this. The Doc Destroyer versus the Tasmanian Devil. Come on. Really? That's like an after-school special, like with Godzilla. 
He's actually, funny enough that you should mention him, he's actually got a son um, who's boxing now. He's only had about eight or nine fights. He's actually fighting this weekend. His name is Connor Ben. So, uh, can't, be, yeah, can't, can't, be, can't be as good as Nigel. Can't no, no, nobody can't thinks nobody nobody thinks he will be, but you know, best yeah, of luck nah, to never him. never happened, never happened. Yeah, Bush and best of luck too. But Nigel was a badass in his day, and I really wanted to fight him because I thought I could have beat him. He was a badass. He could hit like a mule's kick. He could hit like a Duran. I, I guarantee that. He was yeah, close, yeah. close to close to like a Duran. Yeah, for sure. So once again, anybody listening, please go and check out the movie Bleed for This. You will see much more than this stuff that we've discussed during this interview. It's a really great boxing movie, and the acting is fantastic by everybody involved. A big shout-out especially to Miles Teller for his fantastic job playing Vinny in the film. Any more that you want to add at all, Vinny, just before we let you go? Anything you want to say to our listeners here in the UK? You did a great job. It was a great interview. Miles Teller played a great part. He ain't Vinny Paz. He's Miles Teller, but he played he played a good Vinny Paz. Um, and my my Zena, my PR girl's the bomb. And besides that, life is okay. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> okay, listen, Vinny. It's simply been a real pleasure interviewing you. Thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck with everything in the future. And once again, it's been a true honor to do this with a real life legend like yourself, sir. Right on, brother. Thank you. Peace and love, and, and I will talk to you again, I'm sure. Okay, and this wraps up episode 103 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been another lengthy but informative show. A big thank you to our two guests, the undefeated middleweight giant Alantis Fox, and of course the living legend and former two-weight world champion Vinny Paz. I wish Alantis the very best of luck against Demetrius Andrade come October 21st, and as for Vinny Paz, I don't believe he's ever done an interview in that much detail. Boy, oh boy, did he have some stories for us. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure delivering this weekly freebie to our listeners is remember the prediction league currently stands at myself on five points Ayaz on five points and you the listeners on four points however there are another three points at stake this weekend as well we hope you've enjoyed the show and if you have please leave us a review on itunes it truly does mean a lot we'll be back next week with another big show as always until next time take care <laughs>